Hey, welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. I'm your host, Jim Cockrum. And I've got a great guest with us today who I'll introduce to you in just a moment. We're going to be talking today about the mental attitude that's required to take the leap from being in the professional world or maybe the educational world or you know maybe a highly achieved corporate position to being your own business owner. There's a transition that happens there. There's a mindset shift that happens there. We've got someone who's done that very recently. They can fill us in. It's been 16 years ago since I did that. So sometimes it's hard for me to remember what it was even like to have a real job and a real boss and a, and a real schedule. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that today with a gentleman who happens to be one of our coaches. He lives in Brisbane, Australia with his wife, Sam, and three great kids. Uh, we had a chance to get caught up a little bit today before I hit record. Just a beautiful family, a beautiful background, quite a story. Uh, this guy has a PhD in chemical engineering. Like uh, he's been, I'm reading from my notes here. Uh, he was at Harvard. He's a, been a professor at the University of Wyoming. Like this guy's got a professional pedigree, an educational pedigree, but he's interested in internet business now. And he's actually come on board as one of the latest coaches on our team. And he's doing some incredible things. So a couple of the other things we're going to talk about today before I bring on Matt, besides mindset, we're going to talk a little bit about his impression of the community of commerce that we're building. You've heard Brett and I talk about it. You've heard us mentioning it. And we're in the middle of, as I record this, if you can't tell from the Christmas tree right above my microphone, <laughs> we're in the middle of the Christmas season. So we're at the very beginning of starting to tell the story of the first go-round of Dynasty Toys and the co-op that we've built with our community. Matt's participating in that as well. Uh, so the one last thing I will say, it's kind of like a little housekeeping before we go here, is if you're listening to this right now, this is one of those episodes where there is a video as well. It's in the show notes. If you go to silentgym.com, just beneath the show notes, you'll see some links for this episode. You'll see some links right over to YouTube where you can actually watch this episode as well. If you're watching on YouTube, hey, go to silentgym.com to see all the episodes because not all of our episodes are in video format. So with that being said, welcome, Mr. Matt Rosinski. How are you today? Fantastic, Jim. How are you? I'm blessed, buddy. It's great to talk to you. And it's been a pleasure hanging out with you a little bit today and, and chatting with you. And thank you for getting up super early in the morning, by the way. The time difference makes these kind of meetings challenging sometimes. So bright and early in the morning where you are. And I'm a little, about an hour from sunset here. So it's, yeah. you know, it's pretty incredible doing business with people around the world and and arranging schedules. But man, so thrilled to have you on the show today and excited for the topic. And we didn't dive real deep into it. I just know that you come from a very professional established background. You and your wife, both professional career-driven people. And now you've got this interest in e-commerce and internet business. And you're That's... in Australia. You're doing it from Australia. So you know, tell us a little bit of that story. Fill in some gaps that I missed and let's share some lessons today with the folks. Yeah, that's right. So we have moved around quite a lot as a couple. We've been married for 18 years and, and during that time we've lived in the States and we really love travel. That was one of the, the things that we've always been passionate about. And when we got back to Australia, it was, it was a case of wanting to, I had this idea of building a business at some point, uh, but we wanted some, some cash. We wanted to have a base to, to build on. So I ended up taking a job as, a, as an engineer in the mining industry and, and Sam, my wife, was working as a teacher part-time, but we had three little kid, or two little kids at the time when we moved back to Australia. So I ended up 
staying in, in business or in, in that corporate environment for a lot longer than I initially intended. Uh, it just one thing led to another and you get promotions and you get pay rises and you start to get dependent on that regular money in the bank account um, that comes predictably every month. Um, and, you know, it was the mining mining boom here in Australia. So the pay was really, really good and it was just hard to knock back. So I ended up staying, I ended up working in the mining industry for 12 years. and But it was during the last three or so years of that, it, it started getting more difficult uh, just in terms of the culture at the work and also this niggle in the back of my mind of the original intent of why I started uh, working in that area was simply to build a basis to work in on a business of my own because, uh, yeah, that, that was something that I've always wanted to do at some point. Yeah, it was, there were a few triggering events. I guess things in my work weren't in my job specifically were getting a little more difficult and I, I guess, had few changes there in my in my role that that triggered this okay now this is the this is the defining moment that I need to start learning and um, make make changes and so I started learning as much as I possibly learn and consume every weekend at night um, I was learning all sorts of things programming uh, digital marketing all sorts of courses that I took over a three-year period and that brought me up until July last year where I actually left my job, my safe employee's position in a, uh, in a corporate role to the, the wild the wild area of uh, building your own business. The wild west of internet the wild business. West, that's for sure. <laughs> and yeah, it's been... It's added a source of stability. If I remember correctly, you said your wife, Sam or Samantha, she still is in the corporate world. So that's kind of a bit of a cushion as you guys make this transition. But I just posted just this morning, Matt, I'm reminded, I was reminded recently of a statistic that, and this is United States, I'm assuming it applies globally as well, that about 80% of us aren't satisfied with our career as far as we don't find it motivating and inspirational. We don't find it something that we were excited about in the morning. 80% mm-hmm. of us. I mean, yeah. that's an epidemic. <laughs> it is. But in a way, the fuel and the energy that you get from having your own thing, it's very motivating. It's very stimulating. And I, it never gets old. I'm 16 years into this. And I can't imagine going to a nine to five. You know, the world needs everybody. And, and God bless those people who get up and do the job they love every day. And everyone, you know, there's so many different jobs that need filled out there. That's yeah. awesome. But for me, you called it, I think, let me see if I, if I heard your Australian slang correctly. Did you say you had a niggle in the back of your mind? Niggle? Yeah. <laughs> see, no, I've never heard that word before. <laughs> but I know exactly what it means. You know, right. it's like this, I might say an inkling or like a, this hmm. like, like yeah. urge that I can't get rid of, right? Is that, is, yeah. That's kind of what it sounds like you're, you're, that word means. Yeah, and it's like this drawing me away. Like, this is not what you were made for. You were made yeah. for something bigger than this. You were made for something more than this. And those of us that have that, you just can't get rid of it. I had a beautiful job. And when I tell my story in the silent sales machine book, I'm not going to go into it right now. This is about your story. But I know exactly what that feeling's like. It's like, I should be very appreciative of the job I have, but I know there's more out there. 
And that's so right. And it was this conversation that I had my, with my wife last year at a, at a cafe. We went to every weekend and we sort of would talk about the week, uh, just our, our sort of couple time. And it was something that we discussed openly about. And what I am just so grateful for is that uh, having a loving wife who supports me in doing this crazy thing because <laughs> she had a lot of misgivings and, and uh, concerns and we had to talk through it. And But at the end of the day, she has uh, supported me. And, and what's been so awesome about this in the last year is that we've almost switched roles in, in many ways. I've, I've been living at home, I'm cooking the, the meals. Uh, the kids walk to school now, so they used to have to commute one hour each way to school, but they walk to their school where we live. I didn't have to go on a 11-hour. I, I was away for 11 hours every day at the, at the job mm, right. uh, that, I, that I had, and now I'm home when the kids get home. It's In terms of lifestyle, it's been a huge improvement over the last year. That's beautiful. And the, the benefit to the kids of having both their parents around and, mm. you know, you're not gone when they, you're, you're able to be there, just being there, just being present is mm. such a huge gift. And, you know, through the great times, I, I mean, I, for me, it's been 16 years. I look back at the great times and there's been some kind of scary segments there too. Like for a few months at a time, it's like, okay, did we do the right thing here? This, it, maybe we were crazy. But you even look back at that. You went through it as a family. Yeah. The lessons you learned as a family and that, that we were all there, we were doing it together. You know, it, there's a bond there and yeah. I wouldn't change it. You know, you think you want smooth sailing and a, a line that always goes up and income and results and success. And but that's not what it looks like. And what you learn in those valleys is, man, we did that together and we're closer for it. So that's a, you know, that's one of the beautiful benefits to me is a business ownership. Hey, it's going to be a roller coaster. But if you're doing it with your family, oh, it's such a beautiful thing. So it's so cool that you're able to be there. What are some of the lessons that, that you know, give you a chance to mentally prepare here? I want to go with some of the lessons going from that. You know, I was never a college professor. I don't have a PhD in anything. I, you know, people have heard me use the joke several times. My wife graduated magna cum laude, top of her class. I graduated, thank the laud. Like I barely got out of school, right? I'm not one of these high education guys. I never had a, a long list of people seeking me to hire me. You know, I was like, please, someone give me a job after college. Uh, so for a high achieving PhD engineer with probably a thousand places that would hire you tomorrow, what are some of the things that you took away from that culture in that transition into owning your own business? Like, what are some of the challenges there? Because I imagine there's some people out there right now that are like, oh, I have too good a job. I could never make that leap to my own business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Talk us through some of those. You mentioned the, the, the conversation you had with your wife and what's that transition been, been like? And like, how do you stay motivated too? You know, some of those topics. Yeah, yeah it's, it's something that first point, the, the culture in academia is quite different to say working in, in a business. So that was, I, I made two transitions. I was in academia and, and that's very much focused on grant writing and building courses, teaching students, and that's just a completely different mindset and daily daily habits building off of that. I, I wanted to 
what was in the back of my mind about that was that I was teaching kids to go out into the world, but I hadn't had too much real world experience myself uh, in industry. So I was this, I was a PhD in chemical engineering, but I hadn't actually worked in industry in chemical engineering myself. So that's something that it bothered me a little bit because I, I felt that I wasn't being authentic there. And so that's one of the reasons why I decided I, I wanted to get, I wanted to work in a business. And so that's basically, I, I trained this in another field altogether. While I was teaching chemical engineering, I learned how to be a business analyst. And, and one of the reasons why I did that was so that it would just give me a bit more understanding of what I needed to for, for, for business. And, and, and that's really helped me with what I'm doing now in Amazon it's, and online. It's knowing your numbers, having, mm-hmm. having a good understanding of your numbers. And we were talking a little bit about it before. And, and Amazon's not exactly the easiest platform to, to see your numbers and see the profit that you are making on your sales. And I think this can actually catch a lot of people out in the early days and, and maybe even later on, where if you really don't understand all the additional fees that are on top of your referral and your your FBA fees, that will affect your margin. So that's something that uh, I would say, sort of bringing this around to mindset and 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 you've got to get into that habit of looking at your numbers on a on a regular basis and having a really good idea or building up a criteria that you're going to use when we no no Matt let me just not to interrupt you too much but we've got a training and I'm kind of thinking through the timing of when this podcast will go public versus when the training that I'm about to refer to the training's probably already happened by the time listeners and viewers are seeing this content. So I'll put a link in the show notes to that same training that you and I were talking about that's already recorded where we go in-depth into all the Amazon fees, what they mean, how you can track them and know exactly where you stand at any given point so you're not guessing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because it's kind of like, it it reminds me a little bit of getting that first paycheck, the first job I had in high school when I was 14 or 15 years old. You know, I go and I, I work X number of hours for X dollars per hour, so I'm expecting a check Simple math here, guys. You know, three dollars an hour, twenty hours. I need sixty bucks. You know, something like that, right? I didn't get sixty bucks. I got like forty-two dollars, and I was like, "Wait a second, that's not the right math." Well, then you see all the taxes and the fees, and right. So, I think as an Amazon seller, you have that same experience when you first get in. You think you know, it's like, okay, I sold all this stuff. I know my cost of goods. Okay, here comes this check. Well, okay, Amazon's fees, a big piece of that, and maybe you had some returns in there. And how do you track those? How are those factored? The the refunds and so knowing those fees, yeah, we've got some training. It's a great training session that we did recently. I'll link to it right in the show notes of this episode. And I know as a business analyst, that's important to you to be able to, to look at your numbers. And I know even from a, from a Hebrew vantage point, which is my business foundational training, I, I go back to the biblical truths, the Hebrew truths. And this, the root word, one of the root words of wisdom is understanding the numbers. Until you understand the numbers, you cannot apply wisdom to anything. You got to know the numbers. If there's numbers involved, you got to know them if you're going to apply wisdom. Uh, So yeah, the more you can drill in and see and understand them, and Amazon doesn't do a great job 
on its own of revealing in its reports exactly what's going on. You can dig for a while and not figure it out. So that's why we've got this training we put together. I'm excited about it. It's free. We're sticking it in our Facebook group. Only thing you have to do is join our free Facebook group to see the training. So I'm excited to get that in front of you, Matt, see what you think, and for the Good. listeners today too. Uh, because fees are, uh, it's, a, it's a pain point for new sellers, for sure, understanding them. And, and there's a couple dozen of them that, that some of them, I, I couldn't rattle them off the top of my head, but some of them, you know, they're in there and they apply a different situ- situations and circumstances. You'll see different fees. So we'll get that training to folks. Again, the show notes at silentgym.com slash podcast. Go to this episode, look in the show notes, you'll see the training. But uh, all right, man, sorry I interrupted you there, but I think that's some good value for everyone. Yeah, so just building on uh, the other part of your question, I think was about uh, the mindset and and, and where where I, I going from this employee mindset to a, a, I guess a business owner's mindset. It's something that I've had to really stretch my comfort zone because as an employee, it's it's comfortable. You have a regular structure. The business is already there. There's a role already defined. You go into that role. There are systems for everything in place. When you do this business thing yourself, you've got to build all that yourself. You've got to start out, oh, how am I going to do my accounting? How am I going to source products? What products am I going to source? Am I going to just do, you know, what strategy am I using? Am I going to go a mile wide and an inch deep or am I going to go all in on one product? And these are all questions that no one else is going to help you. No one's going to make those choices for you. You've got to make those choices as, a, as your own business owner. And if you're an employee, think decisions are going to be made by committee. But it's also not your cash on the line. If the decision turns out bad or the business doesn't make so mm-hmm. much money, you probably don't get uh, a good review on your annual review, but turn that around as a, as a business owner, that's personal. That, that yeah. affects your family if things yeah. don't work out. So I think in the, the risk and the reward. As mm-hmm. an employee, you share very little of the re- risk and you share very little of the reward as an employee. As a business owner, you get all of it <laughs> and you only that's get right. to offload a little bit of it. Uh, you know, you can, the risk is, you know, the risks hit you harder than anybody and the rewards hit you bigger than anyone. You know, my philosophy is you should approach any work, any job that you have with an entrepreneurial mindset. That's right. You have no choice but to have that mindset when you actually own your own business. You know, you can't just, I don't feel like it on anything. You got to take care of it whether you like it or not. (laughs) So I'm curious to hear how, you know, how you made that transition. How does that feel on a day-to-day basis routine-wise? Because it hasn't been all that long for you to have this new routine. Bought my first inventory in March uh, this year. And uh, so I bought uh, coaching with uh, Jim Cockrum Coaching and right. one of our students. Coach. So I was pretty full on for three months. I was basically, I was like a machine every day. I was just turning on the computer and going through a process, this process that I was de- uh, developing with the help uh, of my coach and yeah, just executing and I guess that's something that is really important is to build that process the daily habits the the things that you do on a daily basis showing up every day and along that process there are a lot of hurdles that would come up I 
I got a few letters from basically IP type right. letters. Or, yes. uh, so I had this inventory and, and that was when I was, I was saying I'm really glad that I took the advice of going a, a mile wide and an inch deep on, on some things. And, but then on others, uh, you know, where you buy in the there's, so this is in online arbitrage was the strategy I was using, and sometimes it often it can happen where the the price tanks on the inventory that you purchased, and and so coming up with a strategy in response to that 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 doesn't feel good. So learning to be comfortable with that uncertainty on a daily basis and that's something that I think is important to realize you're going to have to be able to be a little bit more uncomfortable than you might have been as an employee in different ways. There's plenty of ways that you can be uncomfortable as an employee, but it's a, it's a quite a bit different as a, as a business owner. There's a different, different weight to it for sure. Mm. And, you know, I want to point out and remind the listeners as well that you are in Australia. Amazon's only recently established itself in Australia. Um, yeah, we have right. plenty of students that are actually in countries where there's no presence by Amazon at all. This truly is a global opportunity, but there's additional benefits and challenges that come with not being in one of the major Canada, United States, primarily United States, the, the UK, Japan, Germany, um, some of those places where it, it's a pretty heavy presence. Australia's not there yet nor are a lot of countries, but it is still possible. You mentioned online arbitrage. That's basically buying products online. And then are you using a fulfillment center? I'm curious. Are you selling yeah. in the United States through a fulfillment center? Okay. Yes, yeah, we, have, we have a good handful of great fulfillment centers. And basically for the listener's sake, that's just a partner who's located typically in the United States, if that's where you're trying to sell, that handles your product for you. So in, instead of Matt shipping all of his products to Australia, prepping them, and then sending them all the way back to the United States, he just has someone here do that for him. That's what a good prep center can do. And in the Proven Amazon course, we have a whole list of prep center partners. Many of them are very great partners of ours. Some of our coaches are also prep center partners working with international, primarily international students or people who just, you got people who live in small apartments in Manhattan. Like they don't have room to, to process their packages. They send them to a prep center and that way they don't have to ever actually touch or see their inventory. Someone else is doing that part for them. It sounds like you're figuring out those little details. You've gone through the coaching program. You're figuring out those details. You're studying your numbers. You're seeing some results. You actually jumped on. You became a coach with us. Shelby, some really good things are happening. You've made some good impressions around here. I mean, today is the first day that you and I have actually met. Correct me if I'm wrong. You weren't at that's, CES, were you? Right. <laughs> yeah, I actually was at CES. Were you? Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Did we talk? But- I know, I didn't actually. Okay, because I was going to feel terrible if we actually spoke. (laughs) I didn't remember. But we've got so many (laughs) coaches now that dozens of coaches, many of whom I just haven't actually met in person. So there's so many great success stories popping up. This organization has gotten way bigger than me, um, but it's great having you on the team, Matt. Uh, So so what else can we share? We, you know, if there's any other lessons about the transition, the lessons about what you're you're doing that's that's working, strategies you're trying. um, Yeah, so... The co-op. Yeah, that's right. So after some time in uh, doing online arbitrage, I was I was you know, looking for some wholesale opportunities and I, I managed to get uh, one wholesale account that uh, I'm still working with at the moment and having some success with. But even then, you're not immune to 
the situation where other sellers start to sell the same products, uh, jump on the listings that you create, and and all these other sorts of things that can and that can pop up. And I saw the uh, the Dynasty Toys opportunity coming up, and uh, that was one of the things that I really got excited about, and um, and have, have have jumped in on that opportunity with the done for you service, and also the authorized reseller opportunity and I, I basically wanted to I saw that as a huge opportunity from the point of view of leverage and scale with with an ordinary wholesaler there are how many people in in the middle in, in between the manufacturer and you as the end buyer uh, then puts that product up onto Amazon but with the community of commerce there's this opportunity to combine together in, in a group of buyers where now you can actually start playing with the big boys in terms of the sourcing and creating products. So it's one of the most exciting parts about being involved with this community that I have experienced so far. That's um, beautiful. Yeah. And, and, and let me just address the listeners for just a moment. For those, maybe this is your first episode. You haven't heard us talk about the co-op before. I'll stick links to this stuff in the resources uh, for this episode. But to summarize it, Brett, my partner Brett and I have been working very hard for a long time to say, hey, we've got a lot of really great people in our community who are marketers. They want to do something big together. Let's kind of pool our resources a little bit and really launch some big, cool, special products together. And uh, co-ops have been around for a long time. Farmers have used them for forever. It's some of the oldest law in the United States. And uh, the laws are established globally. Anybody can participate in our co-op, actually. And so we all kind of share in the benefits of these big brands that we're building and launching. Dynasty Toys is the first one that we're doing, but we hope to have multiple brands that our community can own a piece of, basically, at the end of the day. And as it grows, as we all push it out there and help each other and help market it and benefit, uh, it's not the traditional business model. It's kind of like a, it's a group ownership. And farmers have done it for years. They, they kind of pool their resources together. They all buy seeds at a discounted rate. And then when the crops come in, they all sell their crops for the same price. It's not price fixing if it's under the co-op law, which is what we're under because we've established a legal co-op. We spent tens of thousands of dollars and all kinds of paperwork, but we have it now. So you're going to hear more about that, especially in 2019. Uh, right now, it, it was just kind of our core folks who got real excited about it. And you were one of those, Matt. So thanks for jumping in. Uh, we had about a thousand people or so jump in with us of our strongest core members of our community. But after we prove the story out and have some great success to show, I think a lot more people will be interested in that subject. So yeah, we're certainly very excited about it as well. And there's so many things we can do with this co-op. But that's a, that's a kind of a topic to, that we can go in depth with another show another time. But uh, it's great having you on board with us for that for sure. But if any lessons from that stand out as well, you know, feel free to share. I'm not trying to change the subject, but it is a deep conversation <laughs> potentially. Yeah, that's right. I would just sort of uh, touch on the topic of, um, I guess, Dynasty Toys uh, one of the books that every employee of Dynasty Toys is required to read, I believe, is called Shoe Dog. It's by Philip Knight, mm. who uh, is the founder of Nike. And so I've been going through that book myself. And some of the things that I'm, it's just those nuggets of wisdom 
that are coming up, uh, one of the things that he struggled with was selling. He used to, this is Phil Knight, he he used to be a encyclopedia salesman and he hated it and wasn't very good at it either. And then he tried, I think he was in mutual funds or some sort of investment sales that he also wasn't really excited about and didn't, he had a little bit more success with that because he knew a little bit more about it. But then shoes, for some reason, he had no problem selling shoes out the back of his Valiant at sporting events. And the difference there was belief. He had a belief in his product. And uh, his, in his words, he says, belief is irresistible. And belief is one of those things that I think if you have that as a business owner, that's something that people get are drawn to you with that. And belief is irresistible to customers and also to partners, potential people who might work with you. It basically shines through everything you do and say if you've got that belief in, in the thing that you're doing. So for me, that's something that, you know, whether I have to go and get an, an extra job at some time in the future to, to help support what I do, it's not going to change this belief that I have in the future of online business and, and doing something that means, uh, that has this higher purpose than myself. That's and beautiful. Yes, well, you know, and something that stands out to me as I hear you say that too, Matt, is the the driving belief around here. I mean, it, this didn't start off in my mind 16 years ago, 18 years ago as, and I want to be a part of a big community. I was just thinking, I want to be home with my kids. I want to be around my wife a whole lot more than I am. I know there's other ways to make money. But that core passion of mine, that desire to be home with my family resonated with other people. And suddenly I'm in a community of people who kind of think the same way. It's like, we want something more. We want something bigger. Then the power of that community almost became a part of my driving passion. It's like, okay, there's a responsibility here. We got a big community here. We need to serve them well. So my role grew as I focused more on not achieving my own goals, but the goals of the community. And I don't feel like I'm selling anything ever. I feel like I'm offering solutions. So you talk about you know, the founder of Nike goes from you know, products he can't sell, doesn't believe in, to something he finally believes in, and that made the difference. It doesn't feel like selling doesn't feel like you're twisting people's arms when it's something that you know works, you love it, it's you're passionate about it. And that's what this community has become for me. I don't feel like I have to sell the community at all. It's like, hey, here's the results we're getting. Here's the tools we're using. If you want to come join us, come on in. If not, hey, God bless you, go do your thing. But there's a sales process there, but it just doesn't feel like, you know, you're not, you don't have to trick anybody. You don't have to fool anybody yeah. once you've got that passion and the results. You know, so yeah, that's a great book. Actually, I've not read it yet myself, but we tell people to read it all the time. <laughs> I've heard clips and I've you know picked up bits and pieces of it. But that's a great recommendation. Shoe Dog is the yeah. name of the book, right? Yeah, thanks for that's mentioning right. that. I'll probably add that to my list. I'm trying to read a book or two a week right now uh, on Audible, which is a great habit to get into. Man, I learned mm-hmm. so many good things just constantly yeah. being exposed to great books. Some recommendations like that, Matt. Just someone drops the name of the book, I'm like, I make a note. Add it to my list. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm an avid reader as well. I, I have a, a long list of books that I are on my to read list. That's great. Hey, give me a couple more, man. I'll give you a couple of my good ones too. But what else is on your list? Oh, I've got. Uh, there's a book called The Brain Audit. It's by Sean D'Souza, and it's a fairly old book. It's been around a long time, but uh, it's a really 
useful book for learning the basics of marketing uh, your business or any sort of product. It's very straightforward. This guy lives in New Zealand who wrote that book. I've read that a few times. I'll check it out for sure. Yeah. And uh, Persuasion by Robert uh, Cialdini uh, is another one that I've got on my list. Then another one that I'm sort of uh, focusing more on for, because as a stream of income, I'm looking at consulting, providing a consulting service for uh, businesses who wanting to go online and sell online. Huge opportunity. So so books related to that topic. Uh, There's a book called The Amazon Dilemma that I'm currently reading. And uh, so that sort of is the point of view from a, a, a brand and the challenges that brands have with with Amazon and and specifically with online arbitrage and, and people like um, me selling their products if they're not showing up and, and representing their own their own brands on on that platform. So. That sounds yeah, that, like a great book because that's an yeah, opportunity that, that's there for all of us is to help brands correct. get established in the right way on Amazon and mm-hmm. anyone, anyone, anywhere in the world, the basic understanding yeah. of how to sell on the platform can't. So that's it. What was the title of that book again? It's called The Amazon Dilemma. The Amazon Dilemma. Cool. Yeah. That sounds like one I should, should definitely check out. I imagine those who are focused primarily on that business model have heard of that one. Our PPP students. Uh, proven product partnering. That's what we teach you how to do. Partner up with established brands and sell. It's part of, it's one of the modules of the Proven Amazon course. Teaches you that exact model. We have people who focus just on that. So that's a great book recommendation for them, for sure. A couple of my favorite, these are two, I I go to these quite frequently, but Entree Leadership by Dave Ramsey. It's a good book. Talks about how he went from a card table in his garage to, uh, it's about a $150 million operation now. And the lessons he learned in hiring the right people, the right kind of partnerships and all the pain points of growing a business. Not that I plan to have that many employees or a big building anytime soon, but a lot of the lessons he learned apply. But the one thing I don't want to ever have is that big building with employees that come to work every day. We're a very flat, scattered organization with a lot of flexibility at all points. You know, like with you, Matt, it's not like we, hey, you're a coach. You have to do this every day. Here's the things you have to check, the boxes you have to check. No, it's, it's very flat organization with a lot of people who are each of them playing their role well, and really very few people that work full-time just for us. It's a very loosely pieced together organization with a lot of great people doing their jobs very, very well, but doing a lot of other things on this, uh, as well on top of that. Um, but still, I learned some good lessons from that book. And the other one is uh, Daniel Lappin's Business Secrets from the Bible. Regardless of someone's worldview, man, that book is just eye-opening. Uh, I, I call the... Uh, the Hebrew nation, the Hebrew culture, the longest longitudinal study as a PhD engineer, man, you, you know what a longitudinal study, like it just looks at a long period of time for those who don't know what I'm talking about and says, you know, what big factors can we learn from this group of people that we've studied for a long period of time? And that's what that book goes into. Like there are certain truths about business and money that have always been, they always will be. No one's going to change them. This is just how it works. Yeah. And stuff I was never exposed to until I picked up that book. Even though mm-hmm. I'm a Christian, I've been in the Bible my whole life or practically. It's stuff I'm like, wow, there it is right there. I never noticed that before. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I found that book very revolutionary for me in the way cool. I think and approach business and money. And regardless of someone's worldview, I think you could, you'd be challenged to, to counter any of the arguments he makes in that book with, uh, with any uh, rational arguments because he lays them out so well. 
but yeah, those are a couple of my favorites for those. I didn't know we were going to go into a book reading list today. But <laughs> God, man, I, I love hearing what's impacting people's lives. And, and one more that I would just add there that uh, you reminded me of with that story about uh, Daniel Lappin. Daniel Lappin, yeah. yeah. So uh, another book I read recently is Anti-Fragile by Nassim Taleb. And but one of the concepts in that book that really struck me home uh, was the idea of the longer something has been around, the longer an idea or a concept has been around, the more likely it is to be true. Uh, mm. and, and so when you're talking about biblical concepts and that sort of thing, then yeah, that completely resonates with that idea uh, yeah. because the, the proven concepts, uh, we know that they work and you know, that's, that's why we have religions, that's why we have philosophies that have lasted uh, thousands of years. Um, it's because they work. The, the established the truths truth. contained inside them, yeah. That's beautiful. Well, man, it's been great hanging out with you today. I think we're going to start to land this one, land this plane coming in for landing. But I want to hear if there's any final thoughts, anything that we left out, anything that you want to say to our listeners today and our viewers today? Um, I guess I just want to talk directly to you if you are in a job, uh, working in a corporate environment, working in any sort of uh, regular environment and have this little thought in the back of your head the niggle the niggle <laughs> um, of wanting something uh, that's um, more purpose driven more uh, authentically you then listen to that and go with it um, it might be that you can you can get there without um, leaving your job there's a lot of ways to do this I mean if I was to give myself advice, Two years ago, I, I would have said, well, completely do this while you're still working and, um, and build up from there. So you have to but listen to that voice in your head uh, if, and, and feed it information, learn as much as you can, become part of this community and ask questions. But all, all, the, all the time, just be um, true to yourself. You know, you've got to You've got to answer these questions yourself. You've got to own the questions. You've got to take responsibility. It's it's going from that mindset of an employee to an owner can happen while you're still working for, for someone else. It's, mm-hmm. it's about owning your results, owning your choices, and, um, yeah, that's something that you can show up for every day. Yeah, take ownership of the process. It's not a... For me, it, it kind of was, there was a little forced leap that happened in there. But I think when it's done the right way, it's kind of like the way you did it. It wasn't a forced leap off a cliff. It was a slow, gradual transition. And it took some time and you studied and you did both for a while. And um, yeah. I advise that, you know, monetary stress is no joke in a marriage, especially if you're married. You've got to do it in such a way that honors your spouse and they're along for the ride. And you have those big conversations about how much are we willing to risk? How much do we need to have in the bank before you're comfortable with this transition? You know, when people ask me, it's like, they say, Jim, how much money should we have set aside? How many months expenses before I go full time? And I say, have you asked your spouse? I mean, like that's, their answer is more important than mine because <laughs> well, it depends on their comfort level, their risk level, their risk tolerance. You know, but you, did, you guys did it the right way. So I commend you on your journey, Matt. And, and thank you for the encouragement for the listeners today. And uh, what I've learned doing this show for a while now is, there's just a lot of different personalities out there. There's a lot of different approaches, a lot of ways to do this thing the right way. It's a, like we said, it's the wild west, a lot of opportunity out there. So thank you for 
sharing some of your wisdom and experience with us today. And it's been an honor hanging out with you. Thank your wife for loaning you to us for a while and your family. We appreciate that. And for the listeners too, um, man, thanks for sharing some of your time with us today. Thanks for donating the most valuable asset you have, some of your time to hang out with us, to learn. And don't forget, jump into the show notes, all the resources we mentioned today, including our free 50,000 plus member Facebook group where we hang out, talk about this stuff all the time. Leave us some feedback, share our show with your friends, send them to silentgym.com. That's all you need to remember to share our show with people that you love and care about who have an entrepreneurial niggle in the back of their mind. (laughs) I learned a new word today. All right. God bless you, business building warriors. It's been a pleasure hanging out with you, Matt, as well. And we'll do this again real soon. Thanks, Jim. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit silentgym.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.